Hey Rick, would you like to coach more efficiently, be more athlete-centered, led by data, and get some awesome results? Oh, yes. All right, well then Coach Tools is the coaching platform for you. Coach Tools is a coaching platform with all the necessary coaching tools in one place, from planning sessions to caring about your people. It is an easy-to-use platform for coaches, head of coaches, managers, and directors with an athlete-centered approach. With efficient digital tools, you will save your time, improve the quality of your work, and enable you a way to succeed. Rick, why don't you go ahead and tell all the listeners all the benefits they'll get by signing up with Coach Tools? Well, first of all, you will be much more efficient with your practice planning because you can plan it within a couple of clicks. Then um, you can be proactive for your athlete overload with exertion follow-up. Um, what is also very, very beneficial, and that is actually my favorite part about Coach Tools, that you can build closer relationships and better trust with them and get and give feedback through an athlete-centered coaching approach. That's the hallmark of Coach Tools. Um, you understand much more better their moods, their expectations, their values and goals, because after every game, after every practice, they fill out the very, very simple questionnaire and communication is so, so easy. And you can set up cheats and you can set up all the goals and you can follow it up, you can follow it up very, very quick, easily. And then um, this is also very valuable benefit is you enhance the learning of your athletes. You can illustrate drills, content, uh, tactics with the drawing board and you can store it at all one place and you can access this all the time you can share it with your club you can share it with someone else with other coaches and then um, all the information are always available for athletes and the coaches just one click and it's very easy um, it's very easy designed on on top of this there are many many more valuable tools which you can explore when using coach tools yeah, so as Rick said, there's so much more that you can do with Coach Tools. And, and all of our listeners can get a 20% discount on their first year subscription. All you guys need to go is to go to www.coachtools.net. That's www.coachtools.net and click start free trial and just mention that we, we brought you there from the Coach of the podcast. All right. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Road podcast presented by Coach Tools. Today, we are joined by Martin Fossley, the head coach for the Norway's U16 national team and the head coach for Frisk Asker NTG, the local sports school here in Asker. And we are very happy to be able to share the information that Martin is providing here in today's episode about coaching. And we hope that everyone will enjoy the episode as much as we did. So now we would like to welcome on Martin Fosley. Uh, Martin, first of all, thanks, to t uh, thanks for taking the time and joining us here today at the Coaches Thanks. Road Podcast. Uh, how are you doing and how is everything going for you so far? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, things are going very good, I think. The season is rolling. Uh, dark November is over and uh, brighter times ahead. So uh, <laughs> we'll be here. And the, and the game ahead tonight as well, right? Yeah, we have a game, game this evening. So um, we'll see how it goes. I have uh, an optimist as always. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Yeah, as Rick said, we're we're excited to get you on, and 
um, you know, now both of us being in Norway, we're getting to meet a lot of really cool um, people here and, and people that are involved in, in a lot of what Norway's trying to do with their hockey. So it's excited to, we're excited to get you on for that and, and just to chat with you and get to know you a little bit more. So we always start with just the background of our guests. So can you just give us a, a brief little overview of, of how you got to, you know, where you are now with, with NTG and in the, in the U16 national team? Yeah, um, I uh, played myself until I was uh, 16, I think. And then uh, when I uh, quit my career myself, I um, was lucky enough to be uh, invited in as a coach for uh, U13 team, I think. The 2001 players in uh, Friskaski, the team I'm from and played in myself. Uh, so I was a, a assistant coach for three years while I, while I did my... Um, upper secondary school here in uh, in Asker and then I was a head coach of uh, U14 team in uh, one year before I moved to Trondheim where I did my studies I am a teacher uh, re- uh, delivered my master's thesis in uh, history so uh, quite a different subject than uh, than ice hockey but uh, that I did that in this spring and uh, alongside being in Trondheim, I've been more and more involved in um, the national teams and the Norwegian Ice Hockey Federation, being uh, assistant coach at the U16 national team for three years before being lucky enough to be promoted to head coach um, this season. So, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey. Uh, I've been not full time coaching in Trondheim, uh, but doing it as a side job. But uh, it has taken more time than my studies, I think, until I'm always uh, use more time on what you love. So uh, the yeah. hockey has been my main focus, I think, while I'm being in Trondheim for, for six years. So I've uh, developed through those six years. And now I'm full time at the NTG, the Norwegian College of Elite Sports at Badum, and I'm being a coach as a national team and alongside in Friskaski U18 team. So, um, so yeah, so you said that you started already coaching when you were in high school. So you have been starting coaching actually really, really early. Um, why did you make the decision when you were in high school already to start coaching so extremely early? early? Was there something that was driven you into it immediately? or? I think uh, being around the locker room, being with the guys, uh, when... I decided that I don't want to pursue my own career uh, anymore. I don't have the energy, don't have the motivation. Then uh, I uh, was lucky enough to be, as I said, invited and had a very, very good head coach over me that I learned a lot from. But just being around the boys, being around uh, my team players and trying to to maintain that that competition side of it, uh, always that I always loved. So... um, I think that's a that was a big motivation when I was when I was young, just to be in the around the around the rink in the locker room and everything. So that yeah. uh, snowballed. To where yeah, I'm it's now. always it's always interesting to hear when uh, coaches start to coach very early, because um, I think uh, it's like I like to compare coaching to player development because uh, it takes you like a certain amount of time, ten to fifteen years until. Yeah, maybe have the shot to play at the competitive level. Um, yeah. I think that's very alike to coaching. It takes you a lot of time until um, you get somewhere, and then it's still you invest a lot of time in getting better all the time. 
And um, you were mentioning now you're working with NTG. And for Derek and me, of course, this is now like a common term because uh, we are both like living, I'm living uh, in here in the Holman area and working for Friskaska and Holman Hockey for both clubs. And Derek is working for, yeah. So for us, uh, NTG is a, it's a common term, but can you just explain to everyone uh, who is listening what that actually is? Yeah, um, NTG is the, uh, or the, we have uh, 14 schools in total, I think. Um, the first school is in uh, Bærum, and um, the school is for uh, players to combine uh, ice hockey or athletics in any sports uh, with the school for uh, the, uh, is it upper elementary, uh, upper secondary, 16 yeah. to 19 at least. Mm -hmm. uh, so we practice four times a week on ice in the mornings and we do on ice, off ice stuff. We have uh, food at the rink and then they go back to school at uh, 12, around 12. So it's uh, a combination of school and uh, top uh, sports in Norway. And um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah and this is something that I'm it's it's new for me we don't really have sports schools like this in the in the U.S. there's some in Finland but I was never really um around them enough to to kind of understand them but I I'm, I'm wondering like can you also explain the relationship between NTG and NTGU because NTGU is just for the the younger athletes as well yeah we uh, have uh, NTGU at uh, our school as well. They're just right above us. So um, mm. it's, the, it's the same, but it's more like general athletics, not ice hockey specific uh, things. There are nice, I think, maybe two times a week. Yeah. Uh, they do a lot more like uh, basics, uh, training stuff, not that much on ice. So um, it's kind of a bridge between um the elementary school and and our ntg uh school so it's uh it's a place for for kids that they, they want to practice more and be more nice and and everything and it's uh it's a private school as well so it's cost money yeah. to go and that's mm -hmm. uh yeah. yeah yeah so you mentioned you you have the teaching degree and and the and history was your focus are you teaching at ntg as well or are you just full-time hockey there I'm uh, full-time hockey, but yeah. uh, I'm also uh, sometimes a substitute teacher when they need me. So yeah. I'm in the office uh, from 12 to 4 every day before leaving to the rink again in the evenings. So I'm an uh, available substitute teacher in uh, in most subjects. So that's uh, cool. That's also yeah. cool. Yeah, I remember when I was um, actually a guest we had on this show a while ago, Um um, his name is Sean Halfway. He was my substitute teacher for history, but also my my ice hockey coach when I was under 15s or under 16s. So um, it's always cool for I think the players to to see their coach come in and and um, and teach and and I I just like the I don't know I like teaching and that was kind of my backup plan if I if I didn't get into coaching and I wanted to ask you more about the the teaching because we talked in the pre call about how that. Uh, education and how that you know six years in one time studying that kind of impacted what you're doing with coaching now and I, I wanted to ask you about you know what were the connections you saw there and what was uh, what was kind of the easiest things to take from that education and put into your your coaching now 
I think uh, um, my main thing that I took away from the studies is that everything in the classroom and everything in coaching is about the uh, relationship between the teacher and the, and the student all the time. If that relationship isn't there, there's you can't coach and they don't want to go the direction you want them to go. So uh, it all starts with, with communication and positive relationships with, uh, with the students in the classroom or with the, with the players at the rink. So I kind of see myself as a, as a teacher, may say, at, uh, at, uh, at ice hockey. Like I'm, I'm not teaching the sport, but I'm teaching the players playing the sport. So we have to start with having a positive relationship between me, me and the players. So that that's one thing. And I also a lot about uh, like different learning theories. So uh, from an old school, I think it's called like behaviorism, where you just tell them what they want to teach and you write on the on the wall in front of the classroom and they take notes and you test them. And that's that's it. I want the teaching experience to be a lot more interactive. Like it's me. Uh, I'm I'm the designer of the environment for the for the students, but uh, the communication and the teaching goes both ways. So uh, that's a big thing that I I hope that I have implemented in my ice hockey coaching as well. Yeah, talking about. Um building the relationship uh, with the players uh, because obviously now you're this season you're new to NTG this is your first season with the program and uh, we had a short pre-call where we we're just talking a little bit and uh, we we're just chatting about um, the restructuring of the of the NTG and I think uh, the relationship process uh, I can imagine this is uh, one element of emphasizing this maybe more Then it maybe has it been uh, in the past. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm new here as well. So, but uh, there are definitely some elements that uh, you try to restructure, and I can imagine that this is one of them, or maybe that's one of them you want to emphasize more. Um, can you just maybe get us into what, like, in your perspective, NTG used to be about? Um, I mean, what I had, I like. I'm also working with one uh, player who's playing in Gruner in the first league in Norway, and he has went to NTG as well. It has always had like positive aspects that you could combine sports and school and everything. Um, but like from your perspective, what NTG maybe used to be, and what is it now, and where do you want to, where do you want it to go uh, in the future? Yeah, uh, big question, uh, yeah. but. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of the process now, trying different things. Uh, I think uh, NTG, I, uh, I'm also best buddies with a lot of players that went to NTG. So I've, I've heard a lot about what it was and it was and it was great. And Matsu yeah. Corello is, did yeah. play in NTG and, and went to the school and everything. So, so the program has been great. I think a big problem in the past was a lack of ice time with mm -hmm. only having one rink. Uh, now we have a new rink in uh, Aski. So uh, I think the morning skates or the morning sessions with NTG uh, was longer because they lacked ice time in the evenings. So the uh, skill development side and the system side kind of blended together. Uh, what we're trying to do now is separate a bit more. Uh, this is a bit like complex, but I'm, I'm hired 
by NTG and by Freescasker. So my responsibility at NTG is to have every player develop at their own pace and to their full potential. And in the evening, I'm more of a team coach, but I have all the same players. Hmm. But I just put on a different overall and, and, and then I'm a team coach. And then I have, of course, many of the same responsibilities as in team development, but uh, there's more like team aspects that I need to uh, take care of in the evenings. So what we're trying to do now in the mornings is to really emphasize on the individual skill development. Um, it's all about the players and it's all about skills and it's all about like repetitions. Um, we have made different or with the players, we have made uh, like individual development profiles for each player with uh, uh, we, we started off by asking him the questions if there's an NHL scout on the uh, stands when you're having your senior year at NTG, who, uh, who's the player you want to be, who's the player he wants to see. And from that uh, listing um, um, or making a list of, of different kind of behaviors and skills and habits you want to have at that senior year uh, so the end goal or the result of that was uh they have um a picture with them on it with a short description like if we talk to a defense guy who wants to be a deceptive defenseman with uh, uh who's good on the offensive blue line and he's and scores points on the power play and then there's a list of of different habits that he want, needs to have. Like he has to have his eyes up, he has to be deceptive, he has to have a good shot. And we work on those things in the mornings. So I think in the past, it's been a bit more systems. Now it's only individual skill development and investing in the long-term player development side of it. Uh, it's really interesting because we also mentioned you know talking about the the practice environments and the development environments and i'm curious now like you you go in the mornings and, and you focus more on the individual skills and then as you mentioned in the evenings you're more of the the team focused practice and can you kind of compare and contrast the the development environments there and and what um what do they look like what's different and and what kind of uh, activities are you using in one versus the other if that makes sense yeah uh, the uh, the mornings are uh, kind of monthly structured with uh, with practice plans, not not in not structured in detail, but overall structured with different uh, themes throughout the week. Uh, we have a lot of emphasis on, on passing. Uh, I think that's a big uh, or like we ha uh, how we handle the puck and how we pass the puck has been a big uh, like underdeveloped side of. I think Norwegian ice hockey in general. So that's a big, big subject that we're doing every morning. Uh, we start off every morning skate without goalies. They have their own time with their goalie coach. So that takes away a, a distraction, I think, that we have to keep the goalie busy. We can just focus on passing or, or stick handling or skating, everything like that. So we have a normal week for us in the mornings. Are, are we do a, like passing and shooting session on Mondays. We have uh, 
uh, either a goal goal scoring or a one-on-one, two-on-two session on Tuesdays. We have uh, defensemen and forwards practices on on, th- on Wednesdays. Then we have uh, a skating and different stations on on Thursdays. So that that um, weekly structure just like rolls on. Uh, it's not dependent on the results where you're having in the weekends at the games. It's, we don't talk about the games. It's all about how can we be invested in the process right now and how can we have the best quality practices. So the evenings are, uh, because it's me that's running them, there they're, they're are similarities. Uh, I think we have a big, big focus on individual development in the evenings as well. But there's more like small area games, flow drills, some system stuff. I think uh, we're not using that much time on it, but it's it's more leaning towards playing five on five. So um, yeah, yeah. And how um, how do you implement that idea you talked about earlier of the the behaviorism and not not wanting to have it? Um, just you telling them what to do, especially with, when you talk about the the evening practices and and kind of the as you mentioned, you know, you know, you spend too much time on it, but getting them to play together five on five and play as a team. Um, there's a there's someone that on the show that said that you know you have to give enough structure for the kids to be comf- confident doing their own thing, um, and and I'm um, I really like that aspect of it because I, I I think that's a good balance between you know like helping them understand the game to a basic extent that gives them confidence. But I wanted to ask you, you know, how do you how do you implement that more of a two-way um, environment that you were talking about and not that kind of behaviorism like, hey, I want you to stand here and pass here and, and things like that? Yeah, I think uh, it's all about the, the drill selection. Um, I try to to have as many like open drills, creative drills as possible, uh, where we have um, a big or a drill that's been a staple for the uh, or has become a staple for the Norwegian national teams as well. Uh, it's a drill where we are five players passing two pucks to each other, skating around in the zone. And it's it's about passing, it's about showing your blade, it's about communication, everything. But we don't tell the players who to pass, where to skate, what to do. Uh, it's all about them reading and reacting. Uh, we're applying different pressures, uh, putting players in to, to sabotage and to take the puck away from them. Um, so open drills, uh, where they can be creative and make their own decisions all the time. I think that's, uh, investing, investing in the long term. Uh, we use drills where they're, we're telling them to pass to that guy and pass that guy and, and get the puck and shoot to just secure that they're getting passes because in the open drills, we can also, or players can hide, uh, sometimes as well to not get the repetitions we want them to do. But it's all about uh, us setting a goal for the practices, setting the goal for the weeks and for the seasons and uh, have different parameters measuring if we're on the right track. Uh, I think if we want to have, want to focus on our passing, we have to have a lot of passes. We yeah. have, uh, when it's kind of that easy, I think. Uh, I heard if it was on this podcast or maybe the glass and out, but um, 
I think it was uh, Woodcroft, the uh, head coach of the University of Vermont, I think. Mm. He said that talent is making the boring things uh, all, all over again or mm. over and over again. Talent mm. is the repeat. And I think that was a, a great thing. If we want to focus on our shooting, we have to shoot a lot. It's that simple. So that's uh, kind of the method we do in the evenings as well. I think that the uh, comment is... That was definitely on the glass in our podcast. Uh, yeah. um, but that comment is very similar to one of the guests uh, made on our podcast, uh, Tommy Niemeller. He's the head coach for Lahti Pelicans. And he said that the only talent he believes in uh, for an individual is the talent to practice. Um, that's maybe the only talent that exists. So I think that's uh, very, very alike and very similar. Yeah. I think it's yeah. all about that. And that's... Mm. Our main goal for this season, for the uh, for the morning skates as well, just to practice, to practice, just to yeah. teach how to practice. And if we focus on the process and how we practice, the end result will, will be good. Mm. So don't, don't focus on the end goal. Don't focus on the end result. Just focus on what's right in front of you all the time. And that's the that's the next pass or the next shot or the next involvement. So mm. yeah, yeah. What's the um what's the standards that you guys have for the athletes because I, I, it's really interesting this um idea that you know they get selected to ntg right and i, I believe there's only 12 spots every year for the for the hockey players and um what's the the standard that you hold to them is it is it um you know hey now that you're in ntg we we expect you to do you know this this and this or is it um, or just what is that environment like and holding them to that standard and, and kind of teaching them that that practice habits and, and work ethic and, and things like that? What does that side of the environment look like? Um, I think this this spring is the first time I will be involved in, a, in like the selection process. So I think mm. that would be a, be a good um, thing for me as well to to um, to uh, to be in. And uh, right now it's it's all about how you prepare for practice uh how much of an involvement you have in each drill uh i'm very much a fan of uh stopping the drill if it's not good enough if we don't uh, set ourselves or have the have the involvement we want the players to have um so so building like small habits into the players uh correcting them if they're not practicing good enough we know that each player will have uh, a down day or a down week uh, during a month or a period because of a lot of pressure from the school as well, a lot of tests and, and parents and everything. So uh, it's just just to, to preach that um, the drills are super simple and it's always their involvement that decides the outcome of the drill every time. So... Um, like I said, it's a process that we're standing in right now, and we're not um, there yet. But I hope that we—that's someone something that we'll develop more throughout the season. So you mentioned there that you, your upcoming this upcoming spring will be the first time that you're involved in that selection process for the the new class of NTG. And what I'm curious about is because it's always interesting. We've talked a couple times to coaches that have taken over new teams or, um, you know, come in in the middle of the season. But I think this is a pretty unique um, a a environment to come into. And, and you're coming into, I think it's 
36 kids that you weren't involved in their selection and um and I'm just curious how did you how did you start that process and and what was the beginning like and how did you tell them that hey this is kind of how it's going to go this is who I am and um you know how did how did you get them to buy into to yourself yeah um one funny thing is that actually the uh the uh, 2004 born players that I was coaching when I was 18 is now the oldest guys <laughs> okay. when I was cool. so I had cool. a bit of connection with them from the beginning I think yeah. I have developed a lot as a coach and as a as a person from that that time uh they asked me actually yesterday how old I was when I coached them I said I was one year younger than you so that's uh, they were uh, yeah. wow, blown away <laughs> uh, they saw me as an adult and they don't see themselves as grown-ups yeah. right now yeah. so I think uh, for us, like internally in our coaching staff, is we needed like a roadmap of what we wanted to teach throughout the season, uh, starting with blank slates. Uh, it was very fun, but also a, a bit intimidating because uh, we didn't really know what we were trying to do. So uh, being a teacher or having my teacher's degree, uh, I know that uh, a curriculum for what you want to teach is is super important. So the first thing we sat down to do, like internally before we pre presented our stuff to the players, was to formulate what we wanted to teach, like in what order and what skills uh, we thought were important to specific player styles and player roles and everything. So it ended up in a in a in a big PowerPoint. Uh, with a lot of video slides, but that uh, we we decided the first week of August that this is what we want to teach, uh, and then for us, and that's the process we're still in, still in is to sell this to the players. Uh, the first thing we did was was having a meeting and presenting this uh, like very very short, because we said that this is a thing you will see throughout the season, but this is what we want to teach. This is what we're focusing on. If you're doing these things right, we believe that you will have positive development. So I think it's all about selling the stuff every day. Uh, we use a lot of video from from NHL or our Fjordkraft Liga team uh, on these concepts. So just not it's not something that we've made up, but we try to use video to to sell the things and showing them why you need to do this and how it's implied in the in the highest level in the world. So I think it's an everyday process selling the things, but it's starting with a with a big meeting in August. Yeah. So you're talking about this this buy-in and, and and this kind of curriculum that you made for the NTG and and for all of those players and and you talked earlier about the the individual development profiles or plans that you have for for each of them as well and i, I really like the question you asked about you know if, if there was a scout up in the stands what would what would you want them to see from from you um and so i'm definitely going to steal that one and um use that with my players at, at yar but you know i'm kind of curious because you also work with the national team program and, and now you, you mentioned you had promoted to the head coach of the u16 team so how does this all transfer over to that environment? And what is um, what are some of the similarities that you take with you into into your work with the Federation? And, and then also, 
the other way around, what are some of the things from the Federation that you're taking into, um, into your work at NTG? I think it's been a, like a synergy effect throughout mm. the, my last six years, like being involved with camps in the beginning and then being involved in the national teams. So I've developed as a coach alongside the national team program and, and alongside me coaching in Trondheim. Um, so it's, it's very similar right now, what we're trying to sell at the national team and what we're trying to sell at NTG and Friskaski, uh, because I think my, my, or, or our end goal at NTG is to, is to promote players to the national teams and to the best leagues as possible and getting them the best opportunities. And I think we're doing that by, by teaching them the same concepts that we're doing at the national teams. Uh, the big difference is the, the time we have the players. Um, we've expanded on um, our camps right now, or the time the players have in camps. We've had, uh, I think, already around 20 days with the U16 national team. Uh, two weeks of just practicing and playing um, games or, or scrimmages with each other and then we've had a camp in in Riga in Latvia uh, playing against the Latvian national team so I think um, it's very condensed at the national team we can expand more on concepts at home because we have the players more mm-hmm. uh, big difference I think it's when you have them at the national team they don't have their like ups and downs they're mm. super motivated they're selected they want to make a good uh, they want to uh, make a good camp when they're in so uh, the buy-in is super super high all the time uh, and everything is new that's my big that's a big um, big thing at the u60 national team when they come in everything is new to them and fresh and, and exciting uh, so for us it's easier when they're on the national team everything is set up uh, everything is is good they have their national team sweaters on but uh, we're trying to sell that every week has to be like a national team week when they come home back uh, when they're at NTG and, and in our club. So I think the concepts are pretty similar. I think the time spent with the players uh, at the national teams makes everything more condensed. Uh, and the buy-in is, is certainly bigger at the national team. Um, but that's a, that's a thing we're working on at home as, as well. So Yeah. And... How has the, you know, we know you know Tobias Johansson very well as well, and um, he's been on our show a number of times, but how has that, him coming to Norway, how has that impacted kind of the whole process? Because from my understanding, just even five or six years ago, the the programs and everything were just kind of all individual, even the U16 to U17 to U18 teams, they all did something different at the national team. And and the NTGs, you said there was 14 of them. They were all doing different things. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, his involvement and just kind of trying to standardize everything and make sure that the everyone's kind of doing the, the right thing for the players? Yeah. I think uh, when I came into the national team program for four years ago, it was a very, like, individually coach-driven, each national team program. So it was always up to us what we wanted to do. Uh, how we wanted to play, what our goal setting was for each camp, uh, and so on. Uh, with Tobias coming in, um, he has set us in a direction 
made a plan. We now have a, a fully developed playbook, uh, a dynamic playbook that changes all the time, but uh, a direction where we want to, to be. And it's all coming down to like the same concept that we're trying to sell at NTG, that we want to make every player better when they're at our national teams. When they come in on Monday and leave on Sunday, uh, they need to have uh, they, they need to have made some kind of progress or gotten better. Um, Tobias, one of his selling points has been uh, what kind of system does the Colorado Avalanche, uh, Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche do? And they people don't have have a good answer. And he always says that no, they have the Ken McCarr system or the Nate McKinnon system or the Mikko Rantanen system, they have the best players. And if we can, mm-hmm. if we can uh, make the players better, even at the national teams, we will succeed in the long terms. So me as a national team coach, I'm not evaluated by on, on wins and losses. Um, I'm evaluated by how many players we can get to the next level all the time. Okay, so you made the comment that um, when a kid arrives, for example, on Monday, you want him to leave with progress on Sunday. Um, and that gets me curious on, do you have any kind of system? How do you evaluate the players? Uh, if a player has been progressing or if he maybe has been standing still? I think um, it's a bit subjective. Mm. Uh, like, especially on the eye stuff, we have the off-ice testing yeah. uh, that will show progress or or not progress, uh, but on the ice, I think we, or, or how our camps are structured, we have a lot of forward training, defense training, and and passing and small area games. That's our maybe three, four days in the beginning. Then we have uh, games against each other, uh, the last three games. So when coaching those games, it's all about catching them being good and catching them doing something good and catching them doing what we're trying to teach. Uh, I think when they do thing, uh, when when they do things in games, when we don't tell them to, uh, when they use their com- the, the concepts that we practiced earlier in the week uh, in the games without us telling them to do it, I think that's a sign of progress. And I think that's a sign of of coachability, which is a big thing that we want to to look for in national team players. Mm. And. Yeah. Um, so they, so obviously uh, Derek and I are this season part of the regional team Big and Best uh, with uh, with uh, Quinton and Quinton is also working with you once a week at NTG. So you know each other quite well as well. And um, obviously this season we are going to be, as I said, part of the regional team. And in spring uh, we are going to have a regional tournament. Uh, I don't remember where it is actually right now. Uh, but uh, this is uh, kind of the first steps for uh potentially getting selected to a national team and let's say once you there's the regional team tournament you pick some kids up and then how do you actually follow the players from like you 16 till you 20 is there any kind of system um the reason why i'm asking this question is because uh, for example the way i got to learn it or know it from finland is that uh, they get picked for the u16 national team and then uh, there's a clear pathway for them until the U20 national team. Um, that's why I'm curious if there's anything similar established at the moment. Uh, 
right now the new U16 national team we have a lot of different players coming in I think mm. that's thing about uh, I, I'm not familiar with any other national team system but mm. our U16 national teams I think we have have had uh, almost 60 players in at the national team camps already I think it's it comes back to um, uh, it's very very tough to evaluate which player is going yeah. to succeed at that age level so a big thing at the U16 national team is to rotate players in and out and to try to see um, see, see as many players as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's different selections for each year. Uh, we communicate very close. Uh, me with the U17, U18, U20. Coach all the time, sending the players up in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for us, it's, it's especially at the U16 level, a uh, big rotation. Just to uh, to uh, try to try and, and see as many players as possible mm. that may may spark or may uh, forget that and <laughs> <laughs> light uh, spark uh, spark something within them or something yeah yeah uh, well I think it's it's similar to Finland I think they they also try to cast a, a wide yeah. net and and grab as many as they can and, and keep them in the system for as long as they can. And, and I think we talked with um, one of the five or six Anders with the Swedish Federation. Uh, I can't remember which one said it, but um, he, he talked as well that, you know, in Sweden, they're, they're trying to cast a white net. And I think that that's something that, you know, the small countries have to do in order to compete with, you know, countries like Canada and the U S where, you know, they cast a, uh, a small net and they get 300, 400 players that can compete at the, the national team level. So um, at U16, and I, I think it's really interesting, um, you know, how, how do we get, you mentioned that you are at the national team level, not judged by wins and losses. And of course at the national team level, there's a little bit less um, probably parents and, and things like that that you have to deal with, but, you know, I, I think that that is something that I've really noticed about Norway is that there is a lot of judgment on wins and losses in clubs and with coaches and things like that. So I don't know if you have um, a, a, an answer to this, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts about, you know, the importance of of that for coaches, of knowing that, you know, they're not judged by the wins and losses, but they're judged by, you know, hey, are, are my players doing the things in practice that we're trying to get them to do? in games like are they doing that in games that we're trying to get them to do in practice without us telling them um so i don't know i just wanted to hear your thoughts on the importance of switching that mindset of judging from this to judging to that i think uh it, this is also a thing coming from tobias but i think he said in on a podcast that like develop development and results are the same thing if you develop the players you get better results mm-hmm. you can't start with the results so you have to start with the players and their individual development all the time. I think it's a it's a mission for us at the national team or the national teams and in the federation to reach out to clubs and to preach this message uh, all the time. I know that Tobias and, and Espen Satter is also working at the federation uh, does this, and this is a process that has started right now. Uh, but me coming out to to clubs and telling players that it's not important if you win or lose this game at the regional team tournament yeah. or at the national teams, 
if they can take that uh, mindset back to the clubs and and talk to uh, the other players about it, I think the uh, it will it will get better. But most certainly now it's it's a lot about wins and losses, and uh, it's not uh, that much about what you actually do in the games. Uh, you can't always control the end result, but you can always control uh, the process in it. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's something that, um, yeah. To be honest, I've dealt with a lot this year. Is just that um, a lot more than I've I've ever dealt with in the past. Is just that that constant worry. Um, my teams are, to be fair, my teams are like one, and I think I've only won one game with my C team. So um, I haven't won very many games, but you know, I'm trying to constantly trying to um, see the players doing the things we're working on in practice and, and trying to focus on that while not trying to make this all about myself, but trying to focus on that while I'm constantly getting badgered about, um, you know, winning games and um, taking, you know, the best team possible to the game this weekend and, and things like that, just to, to get in the win column. And, and it's had, you know, some um, kind of impact on, my confidence as a coach and, and just trying to continue to remind myself that, you know, focus on the right things, focus on the right things, but it is really hard to, to deal with that all the time. And, and I know we talked a lot in the pre-call about developing confidence as a coach and, and I kind of wanted to shift to that part of the conversation because I think it's a really important piece of a young coach's journey to, to develop their confidence. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk to you about that because you, you gave us some really good um, hints about your journey to developing your confidence. So I wondered if you would talk about that a little bit and just kind of the things that were important to you in developing that confidence. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it started with uh, the head coach I was under at uh, when being assistant coach in my first years. Uh, one quote I remember from him uh, when we had our our uh, drives back in, or, or our car drives back from from away games and so on. He said, uh, "If we if we have lost the game, uh, he said that if it's not about life and death, uh, just let it pass." It's, so yeah. uh, for me, that's been a a thing that I've gone back to. If it's not if it's not about life and death, just just let it pass. But I think uh, for me, in the beginning, it was tough because I felt alone in what I was preaching uh, many times. I think a big step for me in my coach's development was having uh, Martin Jansson. He was a sporting director at Nidaros, the club I was in before, uh, coming in and telling me that I was doing the right things. I think uh, for me, building my confidence is, has also uh, been a process for me to, to figure out which people I uh, can take feedback from or which feedback is important for me and that's from my my sporting director uh, it's not from the parents in the stands uh, so I have to select which people that are important to me and to my coaching coaching development uh, a big step for me as well has been uh, my involvement in in uh, the uh, Center for Olympic Sports coaching program, which has taken place for the last last four years, I've had uh, uh, a mentor in that program, 
uh, who's from uh, ski jumping, actually, so not related to ice hockey at all. But just talking to him every month on a, on a team's call, uh, one hour, talking about what I'm feeling, uh, where I am in my development, and hearing from him, him that I'm on the right path has been a big thing for me. So I think in the beginning of my coaching career, I had, I, I thought uh, good coaching was having advanced drills and so on. Um, so now I'm gone from doing just advanced drills to the simple drills and to sell mm-hmm. that with a lot more confidence because I know that that is the right thing. Yeah, that's also something I am like, I'm doing a lot this season for myself. It's like, uh... I simplify a lot. I actually I try to simplify a lot this season. And uh, there, I don't remember the quote 100%, but there's one really good from Albert Einstein about how important it is to have simple things. And he has uh, a lot of very, like, when you read them, the quotes are super simple, uh, but they are so meaningful because, like, it's the same thing from the, we all got the video material uh, from the national team. Um, I'm using it as well. And uh, I know that you're working with it as well. For example, at the beginning of the, where the, where the symbol is from the national team, uh, only because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, I, that's what I preach now all the time to my players. And uh, it, uh, it's, it's a big, big help to have this phrase in your pocket, in your toolbox. And um, what I wanted to chat with you now a little bit still is that um, it's because you started coaching really, really early. And you said at the beginning is that you thought it was uh, it was beneficial if you have like advanced drills and everything. Um, and now you have been coaching for about 10 years or for how long? Yeah, 10 years. Yes. And uh, so you started the journey about 10 years ago. Uh, so if you like see yourself let's say in three years four years seven years uh, where do you want to where do you want martin fosley to be uh, in five to seven years for example coaching wise um like for for my players i want to take like the next step uh for me as well if that's a bigger role in the national teams or if it's a bigger role in my club team or if it's both of it i'm not sure yet i'm i'm really like like i'm telling my players i really want to focus on the uh on the next step what's right in front of me the next game or the next practice uh all the time and i think if if you're in, uh, doing good in the process you're in right now i think chances will open up but um i really want to to be a place where i can have an impact i think i really have an impact in the position i'm in right now so i'm really happy to be here but uh yeah we'll see let's see i i'm not really sure what what i think is fun in in 10 years i don't know <laughs> yeah no i i like that actually i used to have like a, a plan for myself like you know i went to i moved to finland to go to school and i said okay in five years i'm going to be here and five years after that i'm going to be here um it's hard to live like that as a coach i think you just have to you have to embrace where you're at and you know, you mentioned like your players, you want to take the next step when you get there. And I'm wondering, you know, you have individual plans for your, your players and, and what kind of players they want to be. Do you have something similar for yourself, whether it's something you do with your mentor or is it just something that um, you kind of just keep in the back of your head or is it something that you've written down and, and focus on every day? 
uh, being a part of that program with the uh, the Center of Olympic Sports, we had uh, all these kind of questions that we worked on with our mm-hmm. our mentor. We had uh, our own development goals. Um, my development goal in the beginning was just to build confidence in what I'm doing, being as being a young coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the next phase after two years working on that goal, uh, I really worked on my my um, uh, how I manage uh, different conflicts uh, because I think I'm a person that I want to be liked. I want to be uh, liked by everyone, mm. and uh, I know as a coach I have to. When there's behavior that I don't want to see, I have to like engage in a conflict and how I react and how I deal with my stress internally being in conflicts. That has been a big development goal for me in the last two years. And I think working on that is, is one of the reasons that I've gotten the job at NTG uh, mm. also. Um, I'm hoping there's a, there will be a world championship in Norway in 2027. I know it's in the last phase of an application from from Norway. So being mm-hmm. involved in that kind of uh, championship on uh, at home would be uh, absolutely a dream. Uh, yeah. It's just washing towels or something, uh, being involved <laughs> in any, any, any kind of form. But uh, yeah. no, uh, I think I have a lot of pride being in the national team program. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm super humble and super happy to be there. So, uh, so taking a path in that is something I would dream of i think yeah i want to ask more about that conflict stuff because um that is something i think that is also really important as a coach what what you said you've worked on it for the last two years what have you done um what kind of purposeful things have you done to to get better at that i think uh in the beginning or uh when i was younger i i didn't really know uh, my end goal of engaging in a conflict with a with a person or parent or anything didn't know really what i wanted to achieve so mm. when i didn't know what i wanted to achieve i was a bit more uh i could be um influenced in uh just not being happy with the result of the conflict so um i think being uh, in a club uh, last season with many players playing u18 and having been involved in in team selections every week so I had to confront players uh, why they were not selected in the team for the weekend. Uh, every week was a great like practice for me. I think for me, uh, writing down the reasons uh, beforehand before engaging in the conflict was a big, big thing. So I was super clear in my my purpose, and I was also super clear in what I wanted to achieve with uh, engaging in the conflict. Uh, what was the end result and not uh, going away from that path uh, during the conflict, just staying. Uh, this is, I know it's it's bad for the player maybe, or the player will be upset, but it's better for the team that this mm. uh, goes in that direction. So I think, I think noting down the, the reasons beforehand was a, was a big thing. Yeah, engaging yeah. in conflicts, I think it's uh, in coaching is... I mean, it happens constantly. And I think uh, obviously now you have much more experience, as you said, with, for example, working with the national team, because uh, very often you need to tell, for example, a player that he's not invited or not invited anymore right now. So, and uh, uh, then if you are able to 
like because at the end you're going to have a conflict maybe as you have been describing as well but then just the process that you have been describing like writing things down in advance i think this is super helpful and uh makes your mind clear and then you have the like overall possibility to really communicate the things that you have on your mind so i think overall like engaging in conflicts is a very very uh, interesting topic because uh, uh, you need it in uh, if you are a person in a leading position on, on a regular base and uh, i think uh, it sounds uh, very interesting how you have been describing it and uh, it's a very very important part, uh, part uh, in life as a person in general uh, but now we have been chatting for about an hour and uh, but before we let you go we always have one question we wrap up with uh, it's just that do we have any final messages uh, do we have any final message to our listeners about the conversation today or in general um, always invest in the players uh, don't get uh, caught up in in short-term results always invest in the long-term things so as a coach it's not always about what you're telling the players but it's also uh, what you're not telling, telling the players by not giving solutions by not speaking by not coaching you're actually helping mm. them uh, think for themselves which will benefit them in two three maybe ten years so mm. not getting caught up in the short term but always invest in the long term I think it's the most important thing yeah that's always a good reminder to hear sometimes so yeah. um yeah uh well martin thank you very much it was it was great to get to know you a little bit more and get to know your, your coaching a little bit more and, and i think i speak for rick and i where we we just look forward to, to getting to know you more and more in the future and um yeah we're excited to 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 be close by and and um, get to learn from you and, and learn with you so um yeah we really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your thoughts and um yeah Thank you. Thank you so much. I think uh, this podcast is also a big contributor for my uh, my coaching development as well. So uh, keep doing it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right. So one more time, big thank you to Martin for joining the Coaches Road podcast here today and I think it was a, a great episode with a lot of really good ideas and just a really good conversation about coaching and the coaches and, and just everything related to that and something that really excited me about today's conversation was um, how Martin has a background in teacher education and, and is educated to be a teacher and, and how that relates to his coaching and, and I think that's quite interesting because you know, coming from um, a family where my mom is a teacher and um, it, it's really something I talk about a lot, how teaching and coaching is, is so connected. Uh, to hear his thoughts on it was really interesting. For example, how he was saying that uh, everything is about the relationship you have between the student and the teacher or the coach and the, the athlete and, and how important it is to start with good communication and, and building positive relationships. And it's just such an idea, like it's an idea that comes back so often and in, in, in almost episodes we have this talk about, you know, building relationships and, and good communication and things like that. But just it reminds you that it's bigger than just 
coaching side of it, like it goes to other fields and it just goes life overall, like having good relationships and building that trust and, and having good communication is essential, whether you're coaching, whether you're teaching or you know, working in any other field. So I just thought it was really interesting to hear your thoughts on how to relate it. Yeah, I also enjoyed a lot about the episode that I felt that it was a very practical episode. That's something I've enjoyed a lot. And uh, I enjoyed about how he was talking about his own progress. Uh, that at the beginning, for example, he said that um, when he started coaching, that he was thinking that it's important to have advanced roles. And now how he's simplifying his processes. And definitely, as you have been highlighting as well, the establishment of a curriculum with NTG um, brings really good structured into it uh, of what he wants to emphasize on overall and that definitely helps a lot and uh, i also really like the comment he made at the end that uh, it's we always have to keep in mind that we always need to invest in the players and in the long term and we need to think about what can be the best for them, what will them benefit maybe in three to four years, but not uh, right now. I think that was a very, very valuable message. Yeah, I think so too. And and, and that was kind of his final message, right? Like don't, don't get caught up in the short-term results, invest in the players. And, and, and such an important thing to remember there, but then also like for yourself as well, uh, as a coach and developing that confidence. Like I really liked how he said, um, decide which people are important to you and, and listen to their feedback and and really kind of single out those individuals that you want to learn from you want to hear from it um you know it's something that in my work right now I, i'm i know who those people are and i'm just trying to just listen to them you know like of course i don't think um everyone should just be tuned out otherwise but you know, like just really making sure that you listen to the people's feedback are important to you and, and that you trust to give you good constructive feedback that's that's more than just based on the, the short-term results or, you know, uh, an individual or anything like that. They've got the bigger picture in mind as, as we try to do as well. And, um, you know, narrowing down that that list to the, the good people around you that can help you grow and help you develop confidence as a coach is, is something that is really important I think as a young coach and I'm really glad Martin brought it up because it is really easy to get lost in the amount of feedback that sport coaches get from from all different angles so um, it's important to keep in mind that and um, I really also liked how he brought up his mentor um, in the Olympic committee and how it's just not related to, to hockey at all and I think that shows you know, that one of the things about coach education is uh, and coach development is that, you know, you don't have to be a coach of this sport to develop coaches of that sport. You know, it it uh, it, it really is just overall coaching and, and coaching is the same uh, whether you're you're coaching, say, let's use Norway, for example, they're big alpine years, you know, whether you're coaching alpine skiing, ice hockey, soccer, um, whatever it is, it's, it's the same kind of thing you're doing. So, um, I, I really liked how he talked about how important that mentor was for him and developing his confidence and um, and just making him aware of, of how he coaches and everything. I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I think, 
it was the first time that we had someone on the podcast who said that he has a mentor from a different spot. I think that that's uh, some value to our show. And uh, I think it's really, it's really, really cool that he has a mentor that is from Alpine skiing. Um, because as I said, we didn't have any guests before on our show that had a mentor from a different spot. And going back to your point about the feedback, I just also felt that this is so crucial because at the end, there are so many different people and that means that there are so many different opinions, but who are the, who are the people uh, that you feel as a person that their opinions, their feedback help you to become a better coach, better person. So I think it's really, really important to filter. I think it really shows that. And I also really liked during the conversation how he was talking about uh, engaging in conflicts uh, with the players when he was making, for example, uh, when he was working in Nidaros, that he almost had on a weekly basis conversations with players um, mm. in general. And um, I think it just shows that how important that piece is as well to build confidence that you have conflicts with people around you and that you uh, approach them and that you don't avoid them. And I think it helps a lot for you as a person overall. Yeah, I would agree. And that's something that is all tough for, I think, any young person to deal with, whether you know, you're know you a coach or just a young person going through life, is how to engage in conflict in a, in a positive and constructive way. And um, I was... Uh, I was lucky in my in my first degree, my computer science degree. One of my elective classes was um, a conflict class. I can't remember the name of the class, but I had to read this book, um, the dynamics of of conflicts, and it was talking about you know how how each role is in a conflict and and um, how to deal with it. And I, I think I need to read the book again um, now because that was uh, like four years ago now, but. Uh, I, it was a really interesting class at the time because I was still just in my early years of coaching. And um, it was something that really helped me just think about how I am in conflicts. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable in conflict still. I, I think I still need to um, engage in more and, and practice more and gain some more confidence. But uh, it was a, it was a good class for me at the time. And um, it, it really helped me start to think about how am I actually doing this? But I really liked Martin's, points of you know really engaging it you know write down the points write down what um the the kind of purpose of the conflict is and and what what the um what a good resolution would be and things like that and and go into the conflict with with a, a good um um perspective almost i would say i don't know if that's putting words into his mouth but um that's kind of how i took it and and something that is, again, like we said, really important for, for young coaches to know and, and just young people in general. Yeah, I think it just overall, like if you write the things down before you potentially know that you have a conflict with a person, it just helps you for the preparation and you're just so much more clear in your mind with your argumentation, uh, with your pronunciation. I think maybe also it has an effect on uh, your nonverbal language. Uh, I don't know, but I think it just helps a lot in terms of preparation. And something else I want to mention in the outro is just what I really, really find cool that he's now 
in a position where he can like um, restructure the NTG program. Um, so, because as he said as well, that uh, on the podcast here in the episode today, that um, of course it, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's excellent that you have the possibility to combine sports and academics. Uh, but now due to the reason that uh, we have a second ice rink in Asuka, uh, there's much more ice time available and that adds much more possibilities because you have more practice time and just uh, like overall like uh, leveling up of skill development piece uh, of NTG. I think that's something that's really, really cool. And also the individual part of like that they have, for example, that they build profiles for the players that as he was describing, if you, for example, want to be an offensive defenseman at the blue line, what are the skills that you need to have and that they really want to give them the tools and really want to help them to find the information, uh, how to get there and really want to help them with the practice because uh, I think his message made clear as well that uh, they they believe a lot in practice and uh, that they have a really, really good plan uh, for how to help the players to get there. And I think that's something really, really exciting about um, um, restructuring uh, NTG. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting conversation because, like, I, I don't have much experience with NTG. Like, I haven't, I haven't seen any of their practices or anything like that. I've only heard about, um, you know, just what it is and and how, um, like, how big of a deal it is for the for the kids to make it mm. into NTG and and we have that opportunity and things like that. And it sounds really. What what Martin is is going for with this now is is something that like I would be really excited as a as a player in as well. So now I understand a little bit more about the the hype and 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 how important it is for for some of the young athletes here to to give themselves opportunity to get into NTG and um I really like that that individual development like you were talking about and I really like the question he has to ask the athletes like. If there's an NHL scout uh, game your senior, what kind of player do you want them to see? Because, you know, if you ask them that as they come into the program, then that gives them, um, like, a, a good long time, you know, and, and it puts their mind into the long term. It's like, look, don't worry about now. Worry about your senior year. Um, and I think that's three years later. So I think that gives them three years to, to become that player and really focus on the things they want to focus on. And puts their mind right at the beginning um, on that long-term development. So I think that's a really good frame. And um, something that I'm going to start asking players at our club is, is, you know, down the line when you leave the club, you've 16-UH, whatever, you know, our, our club is still growing. So we're not quite sure yet. But, um, like, what uh, what kind of player do you want to be? And, and how can we help you get there? And, and what kind of things can we do to help you get there? So... Um, yeah, really interesting way to do it and, and really, um, really cool to, to hear more about it. So I think that'll do it for today's episode of the Coaches World Podcast. Just a note from me. I know my audio has been not as nice as Rick's recently because Rick's on his microphone and I've been on my AirPods the last few weeks, but I'll be back on my microphone for next episode. So um, hopefully back to normal then. And um, other than that, um, yeah, thank you everybody for listening up to this point. And we really appreciate all the support. And thanks again to Martin for joining the show. And, and we wish um, 
everybody all the best until the next episode of the Coaches World Podcast. All right. Bye.